Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, the podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Mosier wrap up their discussion on Article 21 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by Fly Beyond, the AFLC Youth Ministries event for equipping teens for their vocational callings in the local congregation, not just for tomorrow, but also for today. This year's camp, Upwards, runs from July 17th through the 21st. Register at aflc.org backslash youth. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. My name is Pastor Brett Bow. I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Do we have any uh, random association things to get out of our system I think before we, we worked start? it all out of our episode with the Old Testament lesson, but I blame Adam for choosing a passage that had nothing to do with the cult of the saints, and we just <laughs> kind of went with it. I, I'll own that. Uh, all right. And no uh, more random associations, Brett. You have my oh, word. Okay. Okay. Well... Only the most direct associations yes. from this yes. point on. Okay, so any random 90s movies or music? We'll get there. Culture? I mean, yeah. You're talking to, we're going to be talking a little bit of some of the images of Revelation. And like the 90s produced some of the most definitive, awful Christian movies about the end times. <laughs> so you know it's going right, to... For those of you who grew up in... Culture, yeah. Christian celebrity culture. Let's just drop the Omega Code right now. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Cameron's Left Behind. Right. Uh, what was the other big one in the 90s that I'm missing? There's there's three of them, and I can't remember. I always get the third one. There's, talking about movies? Yeah. It was a Christian movie about the end times. Very. Uh, Wasn't there a Nicolas Cage Well, they made version? a remade Left Behind with oh, Nicolas Cage sure. as starring as Kirk Cameron. Really left. <laughs> <laughs> really left behind uh, this time. Yes. <laughs> In ten, no. <laughs> go there. Left behind, too. All right. Well, actually. before we really, really get into this. Uh, you started this, we, Yes, I did. I you did. invited So it. I'll uh, get us back on track. Uh, we are... Uh, into our New Testament episode as we've uh, talked about uh, the 21st article of the Augsburg Confession. You can go back a few... And the Apology. And the Apology. Yep. I missed that a couple times. Um, the Augsburg... Or the Apology being more or less the commentary on yeah, the, the expansion, expansion. Yep. Uh, we've been talking about the, the cult. defense yeah talking about the cult of saints these last few episodes you can go back and listen to the last few episodes if you're wondering what we're talking about uh, but today we're in the new testament looking at uh, hebrews 12 1 through 4 and uh, seeing the connections there. so And there's yeah. nothing more directly related to the cult of the saints and the existence of the saints than the, the actual cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by in the church. Yeah. This makes up, this is so directly connected to our passage that it makes up for yours, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. I thought I chose this one too, though, for the record. I, I think so. No, I'm taking credit for this one. All right. <laughs> you can have it. Actually, no, I'm, I picked the uh, celebrity pastor discussion from 1 Corinthians, and you downloaded oh, yeah. me. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so let's... Uh, <laughs> really interesting radio right there, folks. <laughs> let's uh, read God's Word instead and uh, hear what that says. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. Read in Jesus' name. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. 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 This is just such a great conclusion to like a little mini run by the author of Hebrews. If you really look at the flow of this, Hebrews 10 is the definitive passage in the entire New Testament that applies Old Testament pictures of atonement to Christ. That that I, I really think Hebrews reaches its zenith in Hebrews 10. There's a couple really rich verses. But but then the, the writer of Hebrews immediately turns the reality of atonement into its application for the church. And so at the end of Hebrews 10, you've got Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect the meeting of uh, together, together as yep. you are prone to do, but that we do it for edification. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebrews 11 is your hall of faith, you know, the, yeah. the witness yeah. and, of the saints. We, we debated talking about some portion in Hebrews 11, but there's... There's like 45 yeah, verses it's, it's of... It's more like, where do you start and stop with that? Yeah, and, yeah. It would be really hard to do. But then the application so that we don't get off base in, in these first few verses of Hebrews 12 is, therefore, because of the saints, let's focus on Jesus. Yeah, and and it, it, it's just so. it's a really direct thing. And and I've I wrote a paper in seminary yeah. Yeah. where I said you could rename the book of Hebrews to consider Jesus. Yeah, that that phrase pops up a couple times. I know it pops up in chapter three, and then here in in uh, chapter twelve, verse three, consider him, the the everything good that happens in the church by God's design should have the outcome of consider Jesus. Yeah, Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting if we go back, and, and you almost, you have to, right? I, we can't read it all, but we have to go back to chapter 10, but or excuse me, 11. When it starts talking about faith, uh, it says, now, by, uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, verse 1. And then he goes on to talk about the people of old, how they received their commendation by confidence in what they didn't see, confidence in what they didn't see, confidence in what they didn't see. We see all of these examples. And he says, you know, he actually runs out. I mean, it's like he ran out of parchment. He's like, we could go on and on about these, this, 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 and this, and this guy. Time would fail to tell. And at the end of the day, we've got to stop here. But... All of these things, these people were men and women of whom the world weren't worthy. And I know it says men, but he includes Rahab, the prostitute, etc. But then he goes into verse, or chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. It says, therefore, because of these witnesses, because of what they didn't see, but had confidence in, let us lay aside all of these things, looking to Jesus... So they, this, this idea of faith, we oftentimes focus on, well, faith is something we can't see. And, and that, that is very true of the Christian as well. There is the waiting uh, for Christ to return. But I think it's interesting how the turn of phrase comes where faith is something that you can't see and now fix your eyes on Jesus. It's what a point you can in, see. Who you can see, yeah. So the, the point is that they have had, this, this cult of saints had had this promise held before them. And now Jesus is here. And he's saying, look back to them, consider them. You're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Now you have Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now you have Jesus. Look at him. Well, and two things with that. I want to clarify my comment. We we literally can't see Jesus right now as much as we have all those famous paintings of him. But but that is talking not about seeing Jesus face to face literally, but the fact that we have an objective 
revealed God. Yeah, the mystery has been revealed. Yeah, we're, we're not inventing who Jesus is. There's sufficient material in the New Testament and especially in the Gospels to paint an accurate picture of who Jesus was, right? What's interesting about what you were saying, Adam, is we go back into chapter 11, verse 6, we have the punchline again, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you have this whole college of the saints uh, stretching all the way back to Adam and Eve, college. right? The college of the saints. We'll go with that, right? Uh, and every one of them commendable, uh, made famous by the words of scripture and in, in how God has sustained uh, the Bible to exist for us thousands of years after it was written. Uh, we know them all. But the reason why they stand as saints is because they had faith. Mm-hmm. And apart from their faith, they're not pleasing to God. It's, it's why we point to the saints and not to someone like Gandhi. Yeah. Right? Where, where Gandhi, by human standards, would have had a pleasing life, did, made a lot of good, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. It, it's, not with, it's not even in the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, let, yeah. yeah the, thinking of the great cloud of witnesses, are, are we sure that this is uh, the, the saints that have gone before? Uh, verse, or chapter 11, uh, is that, does that make sense to you guys of thinking of that expression, the cloud of witnesses in that way? Or, well, and I would go or even as, that word witness? Yeah, I would go mm-hmm. as far to say it's that cloud, but not exclusively that cloud. That mm-hmm. the Old Testament saints are used as an example because of the use of cloud of witnesses. And, and that allows us to peer forward into how revelation paints the picture of the church. And, and those who have died in the faith as the church are also the witnesses, the martyrs, those who have died for the testimony of their faith. And, and so when it says the great cloud of witnesses, we're not limited to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We have the great cloud of witnesses, and we have the apostles, and we have Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the faithful women given to us in the Gospels, and we have the early church of Acts. And then from there, we have the extra biblical history of the church. And then your grandpa. And then your grandpa. And, right, who and, you you know, you know look to as a kind of yeah, a, my a grandpa and my grandma figure and, in your life. and Yeah, my parents and, and mm-hmm. you know, all those people. What... Hebrews 12.1 does is it takes the concrete picture of the saints of the Old Testament and allows us to explode it forward and apply it to the whole church so that our theology is anchored in a mutual Christianity that finds its center in Christ. Mm -hmm. One thing that I find to be interesting about this passage here is that the word witness, you know, the witnesses that are being described is, is the word martyros. I mean, it's the word where we get our word martyr. And, and you alluded to this, Jason, the whole idea of in Revelation, when we see the picture of martyrdom, uh, we tend to think of those who were, you know, literally brought before the emperor and killed for the faith, you know, because they were Christians. But as as you describe, and for a lot of reasons we can't fully unpack in this particular episode, I, I believe that when Revelation, the book of Revelation is discussing this, is talking about this, I feel like we have to, we have to 
kind of understand that we're not just talking about those people that actually literally were were martyred for the faith, but all Christians who all believers in the promise who have gone before, who have died and who are waiting. And then we start to see if that's the case, if I'm right, and I could be wrong, but if I'm right, in Revelation chapter 6, for instance, you have this picture of the saints who are interceding, if you will, on behalf of the church, not individual saints or believers who, you know, particularly requested them to bring their request to the Lord, but it's this picture of those who'd gone on before, those who had died as martyrs, those who had died for the faith, those who are, are there and they're crying out to God saying, how long before you're going to go and avenge? How long before you go and take? And, 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 and the, the answer from the Lord is a, a little while. And he, and he reminds them of the robe that they have and gives them the, the robe and says, rest in this assurance for right now. But they are there. They're calling out on behalf of, of the church and the victory in, you know, that God's people will see consummated at the end of time. And then that image, in turn, bounces back to us and all Christians encountering that passage in whatever their here and now is, but we're living in the present time right now. And, and the picture of the saints interceding for the church in heaven is just a picture of all of us interceding in our own prayers, that we have the same access to the throne room of God as the saints who have gone before who are in the throne room of God right now. It's the exact same picture. And so the call by the saints to the saints is a call to prayer. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not a call to, to leverage them for our advantage. <laughs> it, it, it's not a call to follow after them other than a, an example that we thank God for. It's a call to join them in prayer. It's a call to be a part of the church by being a part of the praying church. Yeah. I think it's interesting here too, to, to understand that we can use each other. We can use, you know, those believers around us currently, those in, in the past who have died, right? You can use both. Uh, we can encourage each other to point each other to Jesus, right? Not to go on behalf, like we talked several episodes ago, I think, Brett, we were talking about, you know, being a pastor and how people ask us to pray for them, um, you know, and because somehow, because we're, you know, extra special or whatnot. But the point that... I think it is, is here. So we need each other, the church, hence going back to chapter 10, right, Jason, you talked about that, how we don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because the tan the tangible form of, of God's gifts to his people, you know, are, are in, in numerous, but one of them is the people. One of them is the, the body of believers, the communion of the saints. So as we gather together, right, as we gather together and encourage one another, what are we doing? We're not pointing each other to, oh, well, you know, go talk to pastor. He's really spiritual. It's no, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. Right. Yeah, and I think a, a way we can kind of tie up this whole unit because remember we talked at the very beginning of these this arc of episodes, is that there's a there's a natural conclusion in Article Twenty One. Yeah. That these are the articles of our confession. To the Augsburg Confession. Yeah. Yep. And then the the last seven are, are articles of practice that that we're disputing. Right. The the outcome for Article Twenty One in its position in the Augsburg Confession is one of having a unified common historical faith. And, and so that the last kind of bastion of, of generic American Christianity that is being assaulted by this confession is the, the notion of having a private, unique faith. 
Mm-hmm. That is entirely personal to me. That is a foreign concept in Scripture, that, that we have the faith delivered to the saints for all time, and that's what we join together in confessing. Right. Right. That, the, the, the doctrine, and especially the purity of the gospel, is what allows Christians for all time and in all places to band together as the church and to confess that in, in, in the face of the lies of Satan and the threats of the world mm-hmm. and the temptations of our own sinful nature. No, we have the truth and we stand on that together. And the danger of generic American Christianity is I am reinventing the wheel each and every day of my personal private walk walk as a Christian. And each and every day that I do that, I I am missing out on the gifts of the church. I'm missing out on the testimony of the church. And I'm just going to be worn down over and over and over again, because I'm not standing with the church. I'm standing on my own with my own personal expression. I wonder if if, (laughs) I'm I'm having a hard time getting this out of my mind, thinking of the great cloud of witnesses and just all the, the face palms that they're doing watching us, like <laughs> all of our shenanigans and They'll silliness. remember their own shenanigans, yeah. Brett. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, and you know, maybe that's uh, why they're praying for the church. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that, people. You know, you'll, you'll make it. But, you know, it's, it's easy for me to pick on the American church right now, because that's the church we live in, and that's the church where we see the faults. But the, the, the church of the 1700s and the church of the 1500s and the church of the 900s and the church of the first century that was written about in Scripture, just as stupid. Yeah, what's old is new again. Yeah. yeah. It, mm. we, you know, we tend to idealize the New Testament church in, until we forget that each and every one of the letters written to the New Testament church was a letter <laughs> written to correct error. Right. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like, wait, you guys have turned communion into this frat party so that the servants, when they come to church, there's nothing left for them to do. Uh, yeah. You know, that's Corinthians, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Corinthian church gives me hope. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. For you all know, the wrong reasons. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But you look, at, you look at the Corinthian church, you look at the mess that they're in, and it's interesting. I, I want to check this because I, uh, I, I'm almost positive. Yeah. So Paul, you know, this is the introduction to the church of God that is in Corinth. Right, those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace. It's like a lot of his letters start that way, but it's like he went out of his way to remind the Corinthians who they were, (laughs) and then he spends the rest of the parchment telling them, "Listen, you got to get rid of the guy who's doing this. You know, not to." punish him or to get him out of the church forever, but to bring him back in a, in a whole way. You guys really got this celebrity pastor thing all wrong. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't show up so that I had to baptize you because then you would have really worshiped me. And this is silly, right? He, he goes off on all of this. Yeah. And, and yet at the beginning, he says, you're the church of God. And that's what gives me hope. It gives me hope that yes, the, the saints are not perfect. They are examples of in, even in their imperfections to point us to the, the truth and the reality of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And and if we establish that foundation, it really makes the task and the responsibility of rebuking a falling or fallen brother or sister that much more important. If if what's at stake is the community of the saints, what's at stake is is, is your, your identity in the church, uh, we far too often fall into the trap of thinking our job in rebuking a sinning brother or sister is the smiting. 
Our job is to bring about reconciliation because you want whoever is falling or has fallen back in the cloud of witnesses. You want them back in the white robes under the throne of God in heaven. That's what you want. And, and mm-hmm. the, you, you start to understand, like First Timothy talks about correcting bad doctrine as a loving thing. You start to understand that not as an exercise of you're wrong and I'm right, yeah. but out of my love for you, I don't want you to stray off the beaten path. I don't want you out of the cloud of witnesses. And, and again, as we talk about this, like I said, on its surface, Article 21 is just like this article reaming against Catholic weirdness in, in all the various saints. And in you know, I have a I have a book listing all of the saints of the Catholic Church in my in <laughs> in my office. Does it tell you what they can help with? Well, it, it tells you what they're the patron saint of. So, like you know, like of obviously, gout. yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a patron saint of dentists. Joseph is the patron saint of carpenters. If we let it sit at that level, you just kind of want to roll your eyes and yeah. like, yeah, I get yeah. it. This is messed up and dumb. Right. But then you start to realize as you talk your way through it, as you derive the roots of scripture that this was pulled from, this is really important yep. because this is the temptation for every Christian that's ever existed, that we put something in the place of Christ mm-hmm. and we follow that instead of Jesus, that we put something in the place of Christ and now people are starting to fall off the boat that they're starting to find themselves out of bounds of, of the saving gospel. Right. And, and that's what we're trying to prevent. That's what at stake. That's why we confess. Yeah, and I think as we wrap up this episode, what a fitting place to end this arc of episodes by looking at the last part of the text we were looking at. Consider him. Now look to Jesus. Consider, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on the Augsburg Confession. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.